Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we're in our study of Hosea, and we're coming in at the last of uh, Hosea, and then we'll go on to Joel and Amos. And uh, I want to go back to Hosea 4.6, which is a famous quote from Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, of course, we're committed here to help you find that very knowledge that we were warned by this prophet that we would lack, that we would not know, that we would not see. And, of course, that whole scenario and mission statement of, you know, blind leading the blind, of people not seeing, those that have ears to hear and eyes to see, and those who don't. Uh, Jesus talks about having... Uh, come to take away sight from those that say they see and restore those that don't see and are willing to admit it. So that what are we seeing? What is this that we need to see? What is this knowledge that we lack and how do we get it? Well, a lot of people quote the first part of Hosea 4.6, but they don't quote the rest of it. And, of course, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Isn't that what the Pharisees were doing? They were rejecting the knowledge that Christ was bringing to them. They had in their minds an idea of what they believed Moses was telling the people. And evidently, even though they spoke Hebrew and read the Torah... They had it wrong, because we know Jesus and Moses were in agreement. But what the Pharisees were doing at that particular time in the history of Judaism was wrong. There was something drastically wrong. Their Corbin was making the word of God to none effect. Uh, They were not incorporating mercy into their their uh, sacrifice, Uh, what was going on? And, of course, we've been talking about that throughout our study on Hosea. We've been talking about it now for years and years. I was calculating up this morning. We must have a 1,000 hours of audio files on our websites now covering all sorts of different topics around this vast topic of the kingdom of God. And much of what we say is, comes into conflict from time to time with what the modern church is telling the people. Many of the modern doctrines that you find in in the 40,000 different denominations out there, they're calling themselves Christians and followers of Christ. And we know the warning of Christ says that many will come in my name, but I know them not. So who are the ones that know and who are the ones that don't know? Who are the ones that are right and who are the ones that are not right? Now, I don't believe you can find God through logic, but I believe that God is logical. I believe that if you were truly uh, open-minded and logical and, and uh, 
and very well studied, you could probably find out what Christ was talking about, but you would reject it if there's not a place in your heart for the true message of the gospel. And of course, that's what it goes on to say. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. And he goes on to say, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, because that's what Israel was supposed to be, is a priest to all nations. So he was going to be no priest for me, is really what he's saying. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Well, that would be us. <laughs> the, uh, or at least the, the children of Israel at that time. And of course, if this is the same message that Jesus was giving where he said that uh, he was going to take away the sight from those who say they see. Well, what, wait a minute. Did they all become blind? Well, they became blind to what was going on in the world around them. They became blind to the idea that they were not actually following God. They were not actually doing what God said to do. And they w- they could watch the news. They could watch all the news programs, NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, Fox News, uh, One America News. Uh, I saw somebody sent me a link to, what did they call it? True News, T-R-U News. Uh, I don't know if you can find it that way on the web, uh, but they were they were talking about Corona crazy things that were strange in the Corona story that has been going on uh, for the last four, five, six, seven, eight months, the hysteria around the country. But uh, even if you watch all these news programs, you still will not get what's going on unless God gives you eyes to see. Now, when God gives you eyes to see. When he awakens you, you will begin to see things that you did not see before. Some of those things you will see will be uncomfortable. And you cannot afford rejecting the knowledge of what God gives you. He gives you a knowing, an understanding. And when you begin to wake up, you begin to see things that other people may not see. And if you run out and tell them, there's a, there's a, I think it's H.G. Wells story about where these guys come into a valley and, uh, nobody can see. Everybody in the valley is blind, but they can see and soon they work themselves up till where they're like kings because they have this magical power that nobody understands because everybody is blind but them. But then they realize that these people were different. That they could see, they had this this power to see, and they thought, oh my gosh. And so they tried to kill him, and that's the whole story. I won't give the ending away. But uh, it's quite the adventure for them. <laughs> but uh, rejecting knowledge uh, is a bad thing. It makes you blind. But if you start seeing what other people don't see, they will think you're crazy. And they will, and, and Jesus has parables that talk about this. And, and I like to relate these different parables that have different metaphors in them with the ones in the ancient times, the, the minor prophets that we've started going through. And we'll do this also in the major prophets. Uh, so that you see that the message was the same in both places.
So this idea of having knowledge that other people don't have and you start revealing it to them, that's in that parable that Jesus talks about casting pearls to swine. You cast pearls to swine, they will turn on you and rent you under. And just give you a kind of a temporal examination of this idea. We see out in the news with this uh, COVID hysteria that's going around. Everybody's wearing masks. We're just astounded how everybody's wearing masks. You go to the cities out here in the country. We live way out in the country. It's a very countryfied county. It's one of the biggest counties in Oregon. As a matter of fact, on my private uh, it was somewhat private. It's actually public, but my personal, let's say that would be the better word, Facebook page. I'm going to share a letter that was read to me last night by a government official that he's making public that is really challenging a lot of people. I've also been in touch with other people that are in the political realm, other people running for office, a couple of Secretary of State and, uh, and a congressman up near the Portland area. And uh, share some information with them because we're all about that knowledge. Understanding, you know, factual knowledge can give you a basis to understand spiritual knowledge. And, of course, I'm only sharing this with certain people that seem to have kingdom tracks in their life. You know, they may have more courage than somebody else or better sense of justice than what you see out there. Because, see, the blind don't see these things. But people are starting to awaken. They may not be considered woke, but they are awakening. They can see some of these things. Now, how far they'll take it, I don't know. But I share accordingly. You know, this is, I'm in the business of being that voice in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. And I see some people willing to straighten out the way that they've been going. And so I share more information. So on my Facebook, personal Facebook page, uh, which is Gregory at HHC. I think that's what it is. <laughs> but, uh, and then I have links to other pages. And of course, His Holy Church has its own Facebook page. But, uh, I will share that letter with, uh, people there because a lot of the local people in our, uh, immediate community are also linked on that page. And, uh, now a lot of people in the state of Oregon are, are linked also and, and listening to what I have to say. So that's good because that's uh, giving us an avenue in our local community. When I first started this ministry, I tried to focus on people a long ways away. Of course, I had the immediate people that I interacted with in our, our isolated community. But I wanted people to build the network as far away. I was sending off emails this morning to South Africa and Australia, communicating with people there. A lot of stuff going on in South Africa. But uh, the the idea is that there are different levels to the network of Christ. There were people who joined and got the baptism of Christ. There were people who were sympathetic. There were people that would eventually join and then there were people that joined that walked away. And, of course, we see that and rejected. But that's that's all dependent upon individual journeys. But I was going to give you that example. Like we hear, you know, there are people who wear masks and there are people who don't like to wear masks. And, and you, somebody was thrown off a plane. I guess it was a cameraman. I'm just guessing because I heard a voice in the background. It sounded like uh, uh, Chris Ann Hall, who's a big constitutionalist. And uh, 
And she goes around and they threw off one of her cameramen because he dropped his mask while he was eating. And people on on the aircraft said, well, he was wearing his mask. He only dropped it when he was eating and drinking, which you're allowed to do in the policy. So why are they throwing him off? And he's a black guy, coincidentally. So why are they throwing Well, he's wearing a, a Trump 2020 hat or, I don't know, one of those red mega hats or something. Oh, I guess it was had something on it about blacks in support of Trump or something. And uh, people were thinking that, why are they throwing him off? He's perfectly well-mannered. He's only took his mask down to eat. And so anyway, that was in the news, but most people won't see it. But uh, so you have this where the people are vehemently against you because, I mean, all the people getting attacked usually in the streets are getting attacked by people like the Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the liberal crowd. They're the ones who are grabbing people and attacking people. I mean, they tried to create a scenario with uh, that, uh, uh, I can't remember his real name now. I, I hear people mispronounce it all the time, but he was the actor fellow that uh, hired two Somalis to attack him and, and said that he was attacked by two people with uh, mega hats on. Well, they were black guys if they're from Somalia. And it was completely fabricated and they caught him in the fabrication and But nothing happened to him because the district attorney dropped all the charges against the protest of the police. But the district attorney was the district attorney because he received over $100,000 from George Soros. So, But the reality is that what he was doing, if, if someone who supported Trump did anything like that and they got caught, you can bet your bottom dollar that they would prosecute him. <laughs> but they didn't prosecute. So there's this divergence, you know, that if somebody does something on the right, uh, people just get all emotional and attack them. But if somebody does something wrong on the left, you know, that's like Dave Rubin. He kind of, he's still over there on the liberal side, but he found people on the on the right side to be far more tolerant than the people who claim tolerance and diversity on the left side. So anyway, so you have this Different spirit on both sides, but the reality is, is from our point of view, we're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And both left and right are on the wrong side most of the time. But you may find more kingdom tracks amongst people on the right. But I do not put it past reality whatsoever that you will find people on the left, for whatever reason they're on the left, that actually have kingdom tracks in their life too. And once you are willing to not reject knowledge and act upon the knowledge that God allows you to see, you, your journey can continue. And, and we'll, we'll cover some of this. I'm going to pull quotes from a lot of other places probably today. But what I was going to mention is that the, the vaccine that's coming up, which is an RNA never before tested, vaccination it is they skipped animal tests and they're they now have i think they're testing like 750 people in oregon and then of course they're really not testing that many because half of them are getting a placebo uh, but anyway they're testing this rna vaccination and they don't know if it'll work they know the first few tests they had that about a dozen tests 
people got drastic, most of the people got drastically ill. And so now they're testing a watered down version. And of course they're already saying you're going to need another one in six months. And, uh, even I heard, uh, Bill Gates talking about the fact that when we finally do get that perfect vaccination that will absolutely cure COVID, uh, which is just nonsense, absolute scientific nonsense. They've never, ever had a vaccine that absolutely cures anything. Every vaccine has side effects. And, you know, like Spanish flu, we never had a vaccine from that, and it's gone. What happened to it? It's still around, but nobody gets it anymore, at least not visibly. I mean, like most of the people that are getting, no one, everybody's talking about being tested. We've talked about this. The PCR tests do not, they're not virus specific. I've had people who are actually in the business of doing the testing that think they are virus specific. No, they are not. <laughs> read the data. Read the literature. Read the science. These guys, they're lab assistants. They don't know what they're talking about. So there is no virus specific. Even the antibody tests are not that effective. They may detect some antibodies, but there's a lot of different kinds of antibodies. And you're also immune even without antibodies if your T1 cells already have a memory of the coronavirus. Because you you will produce several different kinds of antibodies over the course of recovering from COVID or any flu vaccination or flu disease. Uh, so anyway, putting this idea that Asking the question of the two candidates, Joe Biden and uh, Trump, in the United States. Now, we're not interested in just the United States. We're to preach the gospel to the whole world. I'm just using that as an example. That Trump says he doesn't believe he would ever force a vaccination. That's what he says. And it may be true. I mean, he is running for an executive office. And he has all kinds of different reasons to do that. I don't. I don't know how many kingdom tracks are in his life. I don't know if he's really seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Biden says, and I quote here, we should be thinking about making it, meaning the COVID vaccine, which is an RNA vaccination never before. Have we ever approved an RNA vaccination for humans? He thinks we should be thinking about making it mandatory. He says that right out loud. In the course of his campaign. That's scary. That, in my opinion, that's scary. This RNA, which is a synthetic vaccination, giving that out like that. So a lot of people think, oh, well, we're going to go with Trump. Uh, because over 50%, according to polls, whatever polls are honest, 50% of Americans want to refuse the vaccination. They don't trust it. There's an awful lot of people that don't trust flu vaccinations and for good cause. There's a lot of reasons not to trust them. And a lot of the people who do trust them just don't look at the data. Uh, just like those technicians. They don't, they don't actually read the, a lot of doctors don't actually read the literature. It's amazing. Uh, so the, and the fact is people want to believe that vaccines are our salvation. Just like some people want to believe that Joe Biden is your salvation, and some people want to believe that Trump is your salvation. I tell you, God is your salvation. And Christ preached the Father first. 
He said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. So you got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't even want to use the word Trinity, but these are aspects of this universally uncapsulated concept of the Creator of heaven and earth, of life itself, that is an ongoing process. And we try to capsulate it in these personification of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we don't really understand it. But we know that he needs to write his laws upon our heart and upon our mind. And if we reject that knowledge, we're rejecting that writing upon our hearts and our minds. And we see that uh, in the, the major prophets and we also see it in Hebrews where they say this is what is important. So anyway, the the fact is is that uh, these dialectic conflicts that we are seeing can be very distracting. We really need to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness because that is where our true salvation will be found. And in not rejecting that knowledge and becoming a doer of the word, we will be in the process of putting on the full armor of God. It will still take God's miracle to save us, but we will be a part of that process. Now, some other quotes. Now, we just quoted Hosea 4, 6 and 7. Uh, yeah, I think I went into 7 too as well. But in Hosea four twelve, it says, My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. They're not under their God. They're under the gods many of the world. Them that say they are gods. Now what's a God? And we've talked about this. We have lots of audios on it, articles on it. The gods, the word we see translated God or gods, means ruling judges. Those are the ones who get to decide what is good and evil for you. Now we got into trouble because we try to decide what is good and evil for ourselves. We get in double trouble when we give other men or women the power to decide good and evil for us. And we do this by making covenants with them. And we often make those covenants when we go whoring after the benefits they offer us. And we compound our sin when those benefits are provided not by love and charity, which is the way they're provided in the kingdom of God, but they are provided by force and fear and fealty. This is what made the Corbin of the Pharisees to none effect. Now associated with that lack of knowledge quote in Hosea 4, 6 is also Isaiah 1, 3 and Isaiah 3, 12 and Isaiah 5, 13 and... and, uh, Jeremiah 4.22 and Jeremiah 8.7. So it's repeated and connected to lots of other uh, quotes. And we'll look at some of those when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So one of the, uh, one of the places that we also see this reference is uh, what, I, what I was talking to you about just before the break. 
in Isaiah 1-3, where it says, The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master, his master's crib. Israel doth not know my people, doth not consider. And this is what's happening today, is that Christians, people calling themselves Christians, don't recognize some of the very basic fundamentals of the gospel of the kingdom. And this has been a long time coming. Uh, at least a century has been uh, intensively pursued, is that there's nothing you have to do to be saved, just believe in Jesus. But believing in Jesus would require a change in you, a change in what you're doing. You could not be doing contrary to what Christ said was important uh, if you did not really believe, if you really believed in Christ, you would have to, by the very nature of that belief, because the word belief in the Greek, we've gone over this, is it creates a compulsion in you. You, you cannot stay away from doing the will of the Father when you really believe in the Father and you love the Father and you worship the Father. I mean, even the word worship. We think worshiping is going down to a building and reciting prayers and singing songs and saying that we love Jesus. Jesus says, not those who say, but those who do it the will of the Father. You have to be doers of the Word. And those that really believe know and recognize what he said to do. There are people actually think that we don't have to keep the commandments anymore. We just have to believe in Jesus. But Jesus said the way to eternal life is to keep the commandments. I mean, many of these statements he made after the resurrection even. You know, so this is engrossed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see this same idea, the ox knoweth his owner. We we can find that in the New Testament. Jesus is repeating. Again, this is kind of the theme of this because we're coming to the end of Hosea. Is, I mean, we can go back to Psalms 95.7. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. Like the, the ass knows his crib. We know his pasture. We know where he wants us to be and how he wants us to be and where we should be walking in order to walk beside the still waters and, and lie down in green pastures. The sheep of his hand today, if will, if ye will, hear his voice. Now that's in Psalms. But you have to hear that voice. Not reject that voice. Not reject that knowledge which he gives you. So you want eternal life? Keep the commandments. He goes through that in great detail. And we have an article called Keep the Commandments. <laughs> that pulls those quotes out of there which you can go and read as a part of your study to remind you that these people telling you, oh, you don't have to keep the commandments, you just have to believe, and then, of course, tie it to us. Uh, in John 10.3, says, To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. The porter is a gatekeeper. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Out of what? Out of captivity. Christ is the door to lead you out. But you have to listen to what he actually said. Not what ministers want to tell you he said. And he said a lot that you never hear in the modern churches. And when people read them, they just gloss over it. Because 
The knowledge is there. The information is there. The facts are there. It's in the Gospels. It's written in there. But people miss it because they don't have eyes to see. Now, you want to get eyes to see. You want God to hear you. You have to start when he gives you this extra knowledge, which we're trying to share with you. And I'm sure he can give it to you a lot of other ways. We're just doing our job. And John 10.4, which is the very next verse, he says, And uh, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So are you following Christ? Are you living the way Christ said? Because he said you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles, who you know provide benefits, are benefactors. That's what benefactors do. They provide benefits. But they provide benefits because they exercise authority one over the other. And it's not to be that way with you. Jesus said it's not to be that way with you. So if you're getting benefits because the government forces your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, you're not listening to the voice of Christ. Because the voice of Christ said, no, it's not to be that way with you. So you have need of repentance. That's the, that's the good news is that if you repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness in accordance to the way Christ commanded us to do it, he's going to show you more. That's in the very text that you're reading that you could read and miss if Christ is not writing upon your heart and your mind. Like I said, I don't care how smart you are. You're not going to get this simply by studying. You have to become that doer of the word. And and then you're only going to see it by the grace of God. I know it says study to show thyself approved, but the word study there is not translated study anywhere else in the Bible, and it is not the normal word for the word study in the Greek text. It mean it the actual word is mostly translated be diligent. That means be a doer of the word to show thyself approved. Not just study it, not just read about it, not just say it, but actually be diligent, be a doer. And the gospel of Satan wants you to think you don't have to be a doer. I agree, absolutely, and this is the way Satan works. He gives you an element of truth in his lies. He always does that. Always has from the very beginning. There's always an element of truth in what he says. And it is absolutely true. There's nothing you can do where God owes you salvation. How would you... What lever are you going to use? That's not That's not even a thing. As a comedian, I heard a comedian the other day who's constantly saying, that's not a thing. That's not the way it works. You know, and all the people would laugh, you know, because of the context of what he was saying. But it's not that funny that you think you can save yourself with a thought. You're, you're saved by Christ. You have to believe in the real Christ, not a watered-down Christ. So we can even go on in, in John uh, 10.16 and in John 10.27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow in the way of Christ. That's important that we actually do that. And we haven't been doing that. And that's the problem. It's Biden is not the danger. Uh, you can go out and vote for 
Biden or Trump or whoever you want to vote for. I'm not. I'm not political in the world. I'm political in the kingdom of God. <laughs> I'm trying to show you the politics of Christ. So, anyway, the, what you know, and like I said, there's a lot of other. It says like. Uh, in Isaiah 3.12, as for my people, children are their oppressors. Children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, they which lead thee, uh, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy path. So what's the way of the path? Remember, Christianity was called the way. Well, I also heard this week, uh, let's see, I think it was, I'm trying to think of who posted it. I think it was Ben Shapiro posted it. No, it wasn't. It was Dave Rubin, I think, that he posted it. And, you know, people send me these things, and I, I, if I get a chance to look at them sometimes when I'm waiting for something else to happen, I do. But it was actually an interesting interview with Margaret Th- Thatcher, I think, and uh, William F. Buckley, Jr., and she was saying that the Labor Party, which is equivalent to our Democratic Party in the in the United States, I say they're the Democratic Party in the United States, not mine, but uh, it's similar to it. And uh, it had about thirty hardcore leftists that were a part of its government. They have elections, and then you become a part of that party. And part of that party, if that party wins, then you become a part of that government. Uh, they had an election and about a hundred of these extremist leftists won. But there's still 300 others that are, that are in that party. But she says that the party was steered by this radical leftist movement. And of course, uh, she was talking about how this is a common thing. And this is way back. This is back of William F. Buckley when he actually looked a little young. He's passed away now, I'm pretty sure. And, of course, Mar- Margaret Thatcher as well. Uh, but the, the reality is is that uh, that's what's going on in America today. And it's, it's part of this same quote. My people, uh, children are their oppressors. This childlike mentality. And women rule over them. This woman, this whore, this... Because this is what they're often talking about is this whore, this uh, one who is going to give you benefits you don't have a right to by taking something away from somebody else. and uh, But they end up ruling over you. And Peter says the same thing, that through your covetous practice of desiring those benefits at other people's expense, you would be made merchandise. So, oh my people, they which lead the cause thee to err. And, and that would be people like FDR and LBJ and Cloward and Piven and all these people that said, yeah, it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the power of government. You just, you want it, we'll set up a program, we'll force people to pay into it, and we will guarantee you uh, college, we will guarantee you health care, we will guarantee you all these things. But what happens is that they promise you liberty from your responsibilities, but they will deliver you into bondage. So these messages we see over and over again, Isaiah 5, 13, Therefore my people are gone into captivity. They become merchandise. Like Peter said, you would become merchandise. You're entangled again in the elements of the world. 
You've returned to the bondage of Egypt, something we were all, you know, commanded never to go back to Egypt again. But we're back in the bondage of Egypt. What was the bondage of Egypt? 20% of your labor belonged to the government. And you had to work for the government for 20% or, or give them some sort of compensation equal to 20% of your yearly earnings. Your yearly wages went to the government. And most of the people had to fulfill that by actually going and working on big government projects. But I'm sure the the wealthy amongst them simply paid a sum of money and they didn't have to go. Somebody else went in their stead. That's that that's corvi. That's uh, that's the French word for it, but that's often found in uh, legal dictionaries. It's statutory labor laws where you have to work for government projects. And, of course, in Egypt, there was a ceiling limit of only 20%. Of course, they played around with this over the 400 years of that captivity until it became really burdensome through crafts of state, one translation calls it. And, and of course, today, people pay far more than 20% in. And, and now, with this COVID uh, hysteria, they've allowed the government to borrow trillions and trillions of dollars which the people living today will never pay off but it curses their children with debt which is another thing that Peter said would come about. So all this is coming about and if you went and read Jeremiah uh, 4.22 it says, For my people is foolish. They have not known me that because they didn't really understand the nature of God. They said they worshiped God they were never saying they weren't going to worship God. They said, "What is David to us?" But they weren't. They didn't say, "What is God to us?" But they, they didn't understand God. For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have none understanding. This is again why he relates them to children, because children don't know. They. They're just learning about the world. They don't understand how everything works. That's what somebody asked the question of Biden. I only saw just a short clip of it. But they evidently had two daughters and one of them has decided at a very young age, like eight years old I think, has decided that they're actually a boy. And so the mother is helping them transition and accepting them as a boy. And she thinks that's good. Well, what's happening in that family is the child who is eight years old does not understand that there will be hormones that suddenly tell you that you're a girl. <laughs> and they will come naturally unless the mother puts her on hormone blockers and screws her up for the rest of his li- her life. But the mother lacks understanding too. You know, I've seen girls who think that they, you know, they want to do the stuff that boys do. And they, they're kind of tomboyish. We've talked about that, you know, scout in the movie um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Very thought of herself as very tomboyish, but yet she was. There was elements of being a girl in her as well. But she was growing, and eventually she would figure it out <laughs> without the interference of hormone blockers, which are really child abuse. But that's accepted. Why? Because the parents lack understanding. They don't know how it works. That's why all these people are wearing masks out there. They don't understand how viruses work. The the, the viruses, you don't catch a virus. You don't get sick because somebody breathes a virus on you. 
Many people, you can breathe the virus on them and they never get sick. Why? Some people get sick and they're only sick for, you know, they're just down a little bit, have a few symptoms. They don't get real sick. And we've known this from the beginning. That most of the people who, we know it from the Princess Diamond Cruise ship. Filled 1,500 old people on that ship, or at least 1,400 old people on that ship. With pre-existing conditions. Only seven died, and some of them died because of the treatment that was prescribed. They would have lived if they knew better things to do. And the amazing thing, some of those better things, those better treatments, we knew about five years before, were published by Fauci's own organization. The organization he was the head of. When he was the head of it, they published that hydrochloroquine was a game changer and could be used to uh, help uh, people in the early stages of a coronavirus, any coronavirus. They knew that. They published it. Now, all of a sudden, oh, no, it's like crazy. And they're even got governors outlawing its use. And, and it's one of the safest medicines used out there. And, and it's crazy. There's something going on here. It's it's foolishness, as we see in Jeremiah 4.22, that for my people is foolish because they lack understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. They don't understand what it is to do good. What is to do good? Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Start taking care of one another with faith, hope, and charity like we used to do when America was great. Now, Trump says he's going to make America great again, but I don't hear him talking about that. I'm not sure that he would accept it. Or I don't know if he would or not. Again, I know Christ has accepted it, and it doesn't really make any difference if he accepts it. It only makes a difference if you accept it. That that is the teachings of Christ. And if you're going to follow him like these other, and you hear his voice commanding that you sit down the tens, hundreds, and thousands, commanding that you love one another, which is using the word that is also means charity, that you not be like the governments of the world who exercise authority one over the other, but provide benefits by taking from your neighbor. If you're realizing that that is an essential part of the gospel of Christ and the message of all the prophets, then why aren't you doing it? Because you haven't repented. You're not yet a doer of the word. So that's what we do at His Holy Church and PreparingYou.com. We facilitate a way in which you can sit down with the people you want. You come together in free assemblies and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity on a regular religious basis. Again, we're going to get into what does that mean, a religious basis. I have a couple more quotes here. Hosea 4. I'm going to go back to that again. But to the first verse, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with inhabitants of the land. Because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Now, the knowledge of God is to know that he wants you to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, through, through love. That's 
That's the, if you don't know that that's what he wants you to do, and he does not want you to do it through force, fear, and violence, and through the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority, through the men who are the fathers of the earth, and you can read our articles on that if you haven't already. He doesn't want you to do it through them. He doesn't want you to do it by taking a bite out of one another. He doesn't want you to do it through the covetous practices of socialism, which is a religion. He wants you to do it through sacrifice that are free will offerings because that is the way to nurture mercy in your heart. Sacrifice by itself without mercy is not what God wants. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He wants your mercy. And if there is not mercy in your sacrifices, then he doesn't doesn't want it at all. And he says this later on in Hosea 6, 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. When he says that in the Hebrew, he means not sacrifices alone. Because the fact is that Social Security does take care of a lot of poor and a lot of widows and needy. But it's not based on charity. It's based on men who exercise authority, forcing the contributions of the people. That is what they were doing with the Corbin of the Pharisees in Israel. And we showed this in our articles on John the Baptist, on baptism, that this is what was going on. That he would set up a system where you signed up and you had to pay in. And they had tax collectors to make sure you paid in your fair share. And then they would take care of you. And we see that over and over again, it explains why uh, people didn't want to get the baptism of Jesus Christ because they would be cast out of that welfare system of the Pharisees that was making the word of God to none effect. But it's different than what people have already accepted, so they they don't want to hear it. So anyway, the beautiful thing in America is you have a right to pursue happiness. But you only have a right to pursue happiness as long as you do so without infringing upon the right of others to do the same. I wrote this on my Facebook in response to somebody else. And the reality is is that setting up systems of covetous practice where you depend upon people who exercise authority to force your neighbor to contribute to what you think you need to make you happy you're infringing upon their rights. Now, it's not stealing because they also agreed. But knowing bureaucratic systems, you're going to end up eating meat with blood in it. You're going to be, they're going to overdo it. They're going to take from somebody they don't have a right to take from. The same as that people were throwing people off that, whatever it was, Western Airline, throwing that uh, young black photographer off because he took his mask down to eat some peanuts and drink some coffee. And his mask also had something written on it about Trump or something. I think it was one of those Trump masks. So, I mean, they were not, they were not being fair. They were not applying things honestly or, or with mercy. They threw him off. He was well, very well-mannered. And people said that he had the mask on until he started to eat. He only lowered it to eat. And then they wouldn't allow him to comply and stay there. They threw him off anyway. But this is what you get when you set up a system that exercises authority one over the other 
to get the benefits you want, to pursue the happiness you want. You will eventually have a leader who will force vaccinations, who will force a lot more than that, force re-education. This is where you're headed unless you turn around. Now, I can guarantee you most people will not turn around. But the more of you do, you will have the protection of God. That's how you put on the full armor of God. You comply with the word of God. And, and the words of Jesus and the words of what Moses was really telling the people. Because they were the same things. You are not responsible to be the source of happiness for everyone else. You, you, you don't have to make everybody else happy. Trying to do so will break your heart and rob you of your happiness. This is why that young man we talked about a couple of weeks ago who committed suicide. He was always trying to make everybody else happy. And that's not the way it works. But we're going to talk about a few other things here. And we better clip along before we run out of time. I'm trying to look at my time here, my clock. Humpty Dumpty said, when I use a word, and he said this in a rather scornful tone, it means just what I choose it to mean. Neither more nor less. And Alice responds, the question is whether you can make words mean so many different things. And Humpty responds, the question is, which is to be master? That is all. <laughs> that is the question. And what's happened is people, you know, like people are telling you, they've been saying this for a long time, and your school's been telling your kids, your truth. You can have your truth and I can have my truth. No, you can have your opinion, I can have my opinion. There's only one truth. There is a truth. There is a reality. But the Cheshire Cat in this Alice in Wonderland that we live in today said imagination is the only weapon in the war against reality. You can imagine that you're right. Just like people want to have a utopia. And imagine, a, you know, the this utopia, the place where the state and the things of which everything is perfect. Uh, but the reality is that it doesn't exist. And that's actually what the word utopia means. It means no place. It's not a place. But that's why the kingdom of God is within you. If you want more of the kingdom of God within you, you have to pursue it. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we started off with this idea of uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that is because they have rejected knowledge. Now, what the knowledge they're really talking about is the knowledge of God. But one of the ways they get you to to uh, reject the knowledge of God is to get you to accept the knowledge in your own mind that you can decide good and evil. And as once they get you to decide that you can decide good and evil, accept the idea that you can decide good and evil, then they... Then they start vying for the opportunity of having the power to decide good and evil for you. That That's the whole story of Adam and Eve and then Cain and Abel and then Cain going off and starting the first city-state is that Cain was going to end up with the power to decide good and evil. He was going to make your life better by creating this utopia in this city that he was setting up. Of course, he wasn't using the word utopia. That didn't come along until Sir Thomas More. 
he, he wrote a book called Utopia. Now, like I said, it, it, Utopia is from two Greek words, ou and uh, topos, uh, which means not a place. <laughs> so the book was a satire, just to give you a heads up on that. There is no utopia. The kingdom of heaven is within you. So even though we talk about creating this network that Christ commanded that the early church did and, and, and it helped save the early church and of course helped save Israel because they created the same similar network, that this idea of tens, hundreds, and thousands that was around, I mean, even the French underground used the same process of the tens, hundreds, and thousands in order to operate under the Nazi occupation. Because it, there's a lot of advantage, a lot of wisdom in that particular pattern. Of course, that's what Christ said, is to sit down in these ranks of tens, hundreds, and thousands, or there wasn't going to be any daily ministration. There wasn't going to be any loaves and fishes. So anyway, it's not a utopia. I actually said to somebody last night that uh, I reminded you of people always looking for a congregation with us. And of course, we have a network. You can go and join the network at preparingyou.com. And, but that's just an email network. The real network is when you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Then we help you. You pick a minister. He's not a ruler. Uh, he's not even your guide. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be your guide. Now he might be a, he should be charitable. He should be active. He should be, uh, somebody who shows up when he says he's going to show up. Somebody who's dependable. Somebody who will show up in the hundreds. You know, he'll sit down with nine other ministers and keep you connected throughout the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's the, that's the idea is that you keep connected. If he isn't reliable in that fashion, you should pick another minister. But you're not looking for perfect people. You're looking for Christ. And he will bring, he will perfect himself in you as you accept the knowledge of him and act upon that knowledge he gives you. Because the kingdom of heaven is within you. It's not a place. Utopias are no place. <laughs> so, I mean, even having uh, Webster's Dictionary, a sentence, misplaced faith in political utopias has led to ruin. That's the sentence they have there, how they use the word utopia. Anyway, so that's where the word came from. But this whole idea of changing the meaning of words is one of the tactics of those who want to be your masters and rule over you. And we've seen this week numerous places where they have changed the meaning of words. For instance, court packing was a phrase been around for decades and decades, maybe a hundred years or more. And uh, suddenly, court packing has changed its meaning. Used to be that you would you have nine chief justices and you would make it, you know, eleven chief justices or thirteen chief justices or sixty chief justices, and uh, that's court packing. Now that definition has changed. It it meant stuffing the bench with additional justices to a significant number of public figures who ought to know better have now say that court packing now is when a president exercises his constitutional duty to nominate a single person to fill a vacancy. And, of course, now you get hear all kinds of arguments, but they, now they've changed the meaning of that word. And, and one guy says that's like 
George Orwell's newspeak that we just changed the meaning of words. Well, there's a lot of different ways in which they did this. And two other words that popped up uh, this week were originalists and textualists. And they were asking this new uh, ACB, Miss Barrett, or Mrs. Barrett, if she was an originalist and, a, uh, and or a textualist. And what that means, an originalist is somebody who goes by the original definition of words and their meaning at the time the Constitution was written. And see, that's why we point out the word religion, if you have freedom of religion in America, that is how you perform your duty to God and your fellow man. In other words, that mercy and sacrifice you know, if you sat down in the tens, hundreds of thousands, took care of one another through faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and fealty the way the world does it, your religion would be fulfilled in your church and your congregations, in your free assemblies. And you would have a different kind of society. And that's the way we did it when America was great. When America had people that would just show up with a hue and cry if there was a problem. If there was a dishonesty, if there was a fire, whatever, they would all show up because that was ingrained into them because they were daily, had a daily ministration that took care of the needy of society and they were practiced in this non-covetous system of charity. That's what religion was. An originalist would have to look at that definition of religion when deciding questions as to freedom of religion but you got people like uh, Christine Clark and Lightfoot and the mayor of Chicago I guess and uh, others who are so ignorant of the basic idea that you rights are responsibilities and the right of the people requires that they accept the responsibility of being the people and taking care of one another that's how you maintain your rights and you got guys like Blumenthal complain that uh, Barrett was going back 400 years in her decisions. Well, your rights go back thousands of years if they're endowed by God. And so that idea of going back is like he just wants to discount everybody in the past. Like he's the, only, he's the smartest cookie on the block now. But that's all vanity. And there's more and more of that. And people are changing lots of words. A textualist, by the way, is... You know, because the Supreme Court's only supposed to be deciding cases that become before it based on the merits of the case. And they're supposed to be deciding it within two things. The original meaning of the Constitution, and you can add to it, take away, there's a way to do that, you know, add amendments. But it would be the amendment at the time, the meaning of the words at the time the amendment was passed which is a grave responsibility. And, of course, everybody should know my standing on the Constitution. It, it exists. It's there. It has rules. It has a way in which it operates as a system. It's not given to us by God. It's not a biblical document. It's a man-made document. It's made by the hands of men. And it is not in conformity to what the Bible tells us should be in a Constitution. I'm not going to go down that road right now, but if you want to, we've got lots of programs, lots of articles. We've got a whole book. You can get free online. Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions. And it tells you what I'm talking about. But the reality is, is that 
your rights are endowed by God, but these people have no understanding of that. The Supreme Court is just supposed to be deciding things based on the Constitution and the textual framework of the statutes and laws passed in Congress. And I've, in the last week, I have probably read more law books, more information from law books and laws themselves, CFRs, statutes, federal code of regulations, etc., than most of you have ever read in your whole life. <laughs> Just in the last week. And why? Because I have to go in the world and I want to know where the mines are at. <laughs> the quicksand is at. And uh, all this just to do a simple little task that should be really easy. But it's not because all these people are so ignorant. Their master are these wordsmiths. So I, I wrote an article years ago now, and it's actually some of this information is contained in the book also free online, Thy Kingdom Comes. But uh, it was the artifice and language land it was called. But if you go to PreparingYou.com, you can look it up. It's called sophistry. Because this is what they do, is they change the meaning of words. I'll give you another example. In, in the book uh, Gulag Archipelago uh, by uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he, he recounts a, a, a trial that took place, and there was a kind of a legal theorist uh, there at the trial, Nikolai uh, Kralenko. I think is his name. And uh, this was a little bit after Lenin had assumed uh, power in 1917. And they were killing people. They were always, you know, one death away from the utopia. And, I mean, they, it's just shocking how many people they killed. And uh, that that ability to kill millions upon millions of people, of course, Mao Zedong did the same thing. I mean, he... He was responsible for the death of over 60 million people, maybe some even estimate up to 100 million people in China. Total oppression of freedom and rights. The lady running for mayor in Portland, Oregon, wears a dress with pictures of Mount Zedong on it. You actually see black guys in Black Lives Matter wearing pictures of Che Guevara. Che Guevara considered black people less than human. He thought we should exterminate them all. This guy, the people who wear those t-shirts, they are absolutely ignorant of just basic knowledge. They don't understand what they're doing. But they, these are some of the most dangerous people. But uh, this guy, uh, Krolenko, uh, they were uh, trying an admiral uh and I can't remember his name, uh, Shasny or something like that. It's a Russian name. But anyway, they sentenced him uh, to be shot within 24 hours. Just just decided to shoot this admiral because he had said something wrong. Just same as Solzhenitsyn went to jail because he wrote a letter. He questioned somebody. And this is the kind of stuff. You've already seen this kind of spirit dwelling on the left and the... And uh, I'm talking the far left, and the far left has got control of the Democratic Party, and they they think somehow we placate these guys and they'll get us into office. I don't know. They might get into office, but I tell you, if they do, this is what you should expect. Because this is the spirit that is dwelling behind this radical left. Not that there isn't a problem with the radical right as well. That's We'll get over into uh, 
the other uh, Spartan type theology. But anyway, he says when some of the courtroom uh, expressed shock at this, 24 hours he's going to be shot. Krolinko responded, and this is the translation, but this is what he said. What are you worrying about, he says. Executions have been abolished. He says, but the, this uh, Shaksni is not being executed. He's being shot. <laughs> this is right out of the guy's mouth. This is actually the way they think. It's not an execution. He's being shot. I, that, is, it, it just seems mind-boggling. And it's life and death. And they're saying this right out in the open. But the reality is, is that you, they change the meaning of words right in the moment. Right in the very second that you're dealing with them. And it's very frustrating. And the reason why, it shouldn't be frustrating, but it can be. The reason why is they are moving according to a certain spirit. When I've talked in the last few weeks, I always kind of sneak these metaphysical parts of the spiritual parts of the kingdom in. Is that if you follow these certain paths, these certain ways, not the way that is cast up, but the way that actually casts your consciousness down, somebody else will write upon your mind and your heart. And you will see less. This is how he's taking away the sight. You're actually throwing away the sight. God's not taking away. Because you're looking the other way, because you're following these other ways, because you're engaging in these covetous practices, because you refuse to see the truth, you reject knowledge, you will not even see how crazy that was to say he's not being executed, he's being shot. But you will say that and think it is reasonable. That's what you're seeing on the left. Many of you have seen this already. Like... And this is why so many people are wearing masks. Is they cannot see the data right in front of you. You know, and I share a lot of stuff on Facebook. I don't share it on the network because that's not really the purpose of the network. But if you want to get on my Facebook, you can get on my Facebook and I'll share you some of these things. Now, I'm not advocating left or right. I'm advocating the kingdom. When you choose these judges who decide whether abortion is good or abortion is bad or whatever they're deciding. Like forcing you to have a vaccination is good. They will decide that. These are the gods of your world. They are deciding good and evil for you. And they get to do that because you also gave them the power to decide how much to take away from your neighbor to give to you to make you happy. Your pursuit of happiness included covetous practices. That exercise where you hire men to exercise authority over your neighbor to get you what you want. Unfortunately for you, they also get to exercise authority over you to get what somebody else wants. And if enough people are afraid and they think that we cannot survive unless everybody gets a vaccination, they're going to force you to have a vaccination. But it's not because of that choice in the moment because it's not even a choice. It's the result of choices you made long before. Which in those early quotes I was just making to you, it was talking about cursing your children. What Peter said, covetous practices, you will curse your children. This is already a done deal. Just how bad that curse is going to get, we have yet to see. Now Thomas Sowell said, 
The oldest fraud is the belief that the political left is the party of the poor and downtrodden. The reality is it, it's not. That's not the case. The, and he, that's why he says it's a fraud. I mean, it is a fraud that the left is not the party of the poor and the downtrodden. The policies of the left are not for the poor and the downtrodden. They are how you get to become the poor and the downtrodden. And like LBJ, when he came up with his war on poverty, poverty was quickly disappearing in America. It, it, the, the black community was on a quick upper mobility and wealth was coming into their community. That There was problems already showing up in their community. About 25% of their families were uh, single parent families. But that was also happening in the white community. And part of that was because of the sexual revolution that was already beginning to come up. You know, it started way back in the flapper days and the 20s, the roaring 20s. But now we would have a renewing of that in the 60s with the hippie movement and everything. And historians will tell you that whenever a nation has a sexual revolution where they break down these uh, norms of, uh, of uh, relationships, husband and wife, family relationships, promiscuity, sacredness of marriage... All they said, when you break that down in a society, usually two generations from there, the society collapses. And of course, there's lots of reasons to believe that that is going to be the case. But uh, the problem is, is that you create these these men who can make these decisions and exercise these authorities one over the other. And uh, it ends up costing you dearly before you're done. And uh, you need to change the way that you see things but you don't know which way to change them so you need this way you need God to write upon your heart and your mind so you don't start out where you're going to become the scholar of the truth well studying is is not a problem that studying is a good thing but what you really have to do is the simple thing and start caring about others as much as you care about yourself because this whole idea of having a king you know, I mean, originally, if you go back in the Bible, and you'll read this in numerous places where it talks about, like in Judges 17.6, in those days there was no king in Israel. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And, and you see the same thing in Judges 18.1. Um, i trying to remember. Judges 19.1. Uh, and it came to pass in those days... When there was no king in Israel. What they're, what they're saying there is there was no single king in Israel. There are all kinds of kings in Israel because every man was king in his own castle, in his own house. This, this is what, how the system, and it could operate that way because the people were gathering the tens, hundreds, and thousands. They had a community of what we would call priests that were set aside. They belonged to God. But they had a particular role that you gave to them and they provided the social welfare or directed the social welfare, mostly on the local congregational basis. But occasionally you can have bad things happen in your community and you need to revert to, you know, you want 
the, the, these priests to declare an, an emergency in your community because there was all kinds of fires or you lost all kinds of crops or there was an invasion and you need extra help. Well, that's what the tens, hundreds, and thousands were to redirect help from all those other communities. And we see Paul doing this, Barnabas doing this right out of the box. There were dearths in the land and they're sending aid from all over the Roman Empire from Christians in this vast network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's how they knew where to go. That's how they knew where to to get funds in Galatia to take to Corinth. And where they could take funds from Corinth and go and help people out in Ephesus. Or take funds in Ephesus and go help people out in Syria. Because the problems moved around. They weren't all simultaneously. And so they were rightly dividing the bread from house to house. So that Christians fared through these hard times. I just saw this morning about 3 o'clock when I got up. Somebody sent me a a video of uh, millions of tons of potatoes have been destroyed. Crops that normally would go out into the food chain in America. Or be sold abroad and turned into commodities and sold abroad. But they buried them because of the, the shutdown. Not because of COVID, but because of the shutdown that it disrupted supply and demand because it shut down all these restaurants and it just, like throwing a monkey wrench into a well-oiled machine. You can't afford that in a lot of different parts of our agricultural community. Not only will they go out of business, you're going to end up with food shortages. But Israel had a way around that. Early church had a way around that because there were food shortages in Rome because they had gone this socialist way and society was breaking down. What you're seeing in places like Venezuela, you may see worldwide. And certainly there's a lot of people who want you to see it here in America. Even in Hosea 10.3, which is supposed to be a study on Hosea, but I want you to understand the context, not only of Hosea in the Bible, but the context of Hosea in that time, and the context of Hosea in this time. But in Hosea 10.3 it says, For now they shall say, We have no king. Remember the two kingdoms were splitting up. They're saying, What is David to us? One of them is, and the other one's going off and following Rehoboam. We have no king because we feared not the Lord. What then should a king do to us? They're talking about another king. Somebody else who has a big army could come in because we are not defensible because we have no king. Because we said, what is, they actually said, what does David do us? But they did, they started a, a program and they fell off. And this is what you have a lot of people who are now complaining about the taxes being so high and so they just don't want to pay taxes. And that's not, that's, you need to be friends with the unrighteous mammon. You need to pay your tally of bricks. But you need to start seeking the kingdom. So that when the unrighteous mammon fails, and it will, you will have prepared for yourself more righteous habitations. This other network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. Of people who are willing to sit down with one another and actually care about one another. So, but... Some people interpret that 10-3 as we have no king, like that's the problem. And of course, a lot of people think that we need to elect just the right king, the right executive office. That's what a king is, the chief executive office of a nation. 
and then things will get better. Samuel 8 still applies. Because you wanted to have a king, (laughs) he's going to end up, no matter who he is, eventually him or a successor will end up like Rehoboam, taken and taken and taken and taken and taken and taken. That's just the way it's going to go. Now, if you want to change that, you don't change it through rebellion. You don't change it through dishonoring. You change it through changing the way you think. And you begin to act upon that thinking. And that thinking should be in accordance with the thinking of Christ. So that's where we need to go. And that's where we need to get to rather quickly. Because things are changing rapidly. But anyway, we'll talk about this when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, so we were talking about uh, Hosea and... and, uh, how this relates to us today and uh, and what's in the news because there's uh, so many weird things going on in the news and it's hard to understand what's real, what's righteous, what's true, what's not true. It's like the like the Chester cat in uh, Alice in Wonderland who says, I, I, I knew who I was this morning, but I have changed a few times since then. <laughs> so... So I, uh, the Cheshire cat thought he was crazy. Uh, he thought he was mad, I guess is the term he used. He thought he was mad. And Alice wanted to know, why did he think he was mad? And he, he says, well, to begin with, a dog uh, that is not mad, yeah, and you can grant that. And she says, I suppose. And then the, the cat says, well, then you see a dog growls when it's angry. And wags its tail when it's pleasing. And uh, he says, now I, referring to the cat, I growl when I am pleased. Meaning purr. <laughs> and wag my tail when I'm angry. Because <laughs> he flicks his tail and arches up when he's angry. Therefore, I must be mad. Because he's the opposite of what the dog is. And of course, now as a Christian, you're going to be called, they're going to call evil Good, and they're going to call good evil. And as a Christian, they're going to call you evil, and they will even persecute you if you actually go the ways of Christ. And but then again, that's to be expected. So you don't want to be casting those pearls to swine, etc. But you should be looking for those people who are seeking the truth and seeking the righteousness of Christ. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is going to do these crazy things that change the meaning of words. And uh, like gods are supposed to be, you know, I mean, Paul talks about these gods uh, and these gods many. Uh, just uh, Hosea, we read Hosea 10.3 before the break, but Hosea 10.4, uh, they have spoken words, swearing falsely in making a covenant. Thus judgment springeth up as hemlock in the furrows of the field. And just like we've talked about Article 2, Section 22 of the Oregon Constitution says that if you take more than 10% of your contributions from outside the state and you're running for a state office or from outside your district, you're a felon. Automatically, you're just a felon. You, you don't have to be convicted of it. You're a felon. Now, eventually, they should convict you of it, but it should be self-evident because you see that obviously if you took a bribe, but they were, they're talking about the money you put in your campaign account. And most of the people in Oregon have done this. 
Yet, they have all, all, most of the people who have these offices, I mean all of them, have taken an oath. They swore falsely, making a covenant that they would keep the Constitution, yet they got the office by violating the Constitution. They're a felon and have forfeited their office, but they walk into their office every day and pass laws and sign executive orders. And the people have no will to do anything about it. They don't even know about it for the most part. Now, I've communicated with a number of people recently that are starting to read it, starting to look at it, but they only got a couple more weeks and it will probably change because they have a measure, Measure 107, that will alter the Constitution and they're selling it like it's reform and what it's actually going to do is open up the very floodgates and the and the press that was writing stories a couple of months ago about how we have to stop this outside money from corrupting organ politics, they're actually promoting the bill that will make it legal for all these politicians to take money from outside the state in any amount. And they're already taking millions and millions and millions of dollars from people like George Soros and all kinds of other people to... You know, like the pharmaceutical companies, they're, they're paid millions of dollars, and so they're the ones that are going to vote, yeah, on the vaccine, yeah, on the face masks, yeah, on all these things, uh, because they're, they're the people who put them in power gave them hundreds and millions of dollars, which they get to walk away with because it's in their personal campaign accounts. But anyway, it's because they take it, and and and, the, and Hosea is saying this is going to put. Uh, hemlock in your in your furrows in your fields. It's going to poison everything. But people who think they're Christians and read the Bible just let it go on. They don't do anything about it, and they're they're citizens of Oregon because they're not really Christians. I mean, they're nice people, and they go to church and they sing songs, but they lack knowledge. Of the gospel of the kingdom. They don't know what Christ was really doing. Now, this is part of the curse that comes upon the children. Because remember, he's taking away sight from those who say they see. But I'm trying to bring it back, so now I'm the bad guy. But it will really only, the sight to see will only come by way of God. But like I said now, not the gods many of the world who are going to tell you what is good and evil. Now, who are these gods? Many? Well, in 1 Corinthians, I said Paul talked about them, 8.5. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, using the word lords many in relationship to gods, that's, a, that's your uh, guys making laws <laughs> and the guys who are the ruling judges of those laws. This is your government. This is ruling judges. I mean, the word is even translated judges in the Bible. Galatians 4, 8. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. That service was worshiping. You, you, that's what worshiping is. Doing service to God. Doing the pious performance of your duty to God. That's the definition of religion, and to your fellow men, that's still definition of religion. But now your duty is through the gods, many that you elect and make these false covenants with, or allow them to make false covenants with you, 
and rule over you. This is poison in your furrows, hemlock in your furrows. And it's cursing your children. Acts 19.26 Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia. This Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods, which are made with hands. And of course, that's how you, you know, raise your right hand. That's how you set up these gods, many, that are no gods. So anyway, just to show you one last thing on words, you know, Dave Rubin was in that same video. He also talked about the what he thought was the most egregious question put to uh, ACB uh, was by the senator from uh, Hawaii, Rona. Is that her name? But anyway, she she asked if you ever been accused of sexual harassment or assault and or made a settlement or anything. Of course, she quickly answered no. But uh, personally, I don't think that was the worst. That the woman asked that of everybody. She's made a habit out of it, and uh, it was all silly. But uh, all almost all of that stuff was just grandstanding political uh, talk because they're on camera and people are watching. It's just all vanity. But I thought. One of the most egregious things she did, and most people didn't catch it, but it's, it's come to light now. When she accused uh, ACB of, uh, uh, Mrs. Barrett, of uh, using the word sexual preference. And she goes on to say, sexual preference has long been considered an offensive term. Because it suggests that the person has a right to choose their sexual preference. And uh, that you should use sexual orientation. Which is actually just a total misuse of words. Orientation. You want to orientate yourself. You go to orientation. Uh, jury orientation. Or or orientation at college. You're going there and figuring out how you want to be. That's what orientation is. Orientation with a compass. is you, you set the compass and line up true north and everything. And you figure out how you're going to go. That is more a matter of choice than sexual preference. Sexual preference is this identifying that you have this choice. This is your preference. This is your pre, it doesn't say predetermined, but it could easily mean predetermined just as well as a choice. But she tries to make a big deal out of this, but she says this is widely be considered offensive. Well, the amazing thing is, and people actually went and did the research, Webster's Dictionary changed the definition of the word sexual preference. They did it within 48 hours of Mrs. Rona talking. Now, they they had to, this is not a coincidence. <laughs> they had to call up somebody at Webster's Dictionary <laughs> and get them to change that definition. Because they were going to ask this question. It was already pre-calculated and, and they would need it. Just same as uh, the vice presidential candidate was had already had t-shirts made up weeks before that said on them, had her picture and it said, I'm talking now. <laughs> and of course she used that line in the debate uh, with Pence. 
And well, they already had the t-shirts made up. This is all stage. This is all theater. But the interesting thing is that they changed the definition of the word so that she could ask that question and say, this has long been considered offensive. No, it hasn't. You made that up. <laughs> now, that took 48 hours. That the, the Russian guy I mentioned earlier, that took a couple of minutes. He just did. <laughs> but, and this is crazy. And but we have all kinds of words that have been changing, and we like we've we've made that. You know, I actually I remember also thinking in Alice in Wonderland, the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland. She talks about this idea of what is nonsense because this is all nonsense and silliness and everything. But uh, I don't remember exactly how she said it. I'm trying to think if. Uh, uh, but she says. Uh, she ends up comparing, he says, this is not nonsense, you know, uh, compared with which that would be as sensible as a dictionary. And whereas a dictionary is supposed to be absolutely not nonsense, but the Democrats have got the dictionary to play along with their nonsense. And of course, that's why I have such a collection. I, from where I'm sitting here, I can see at least 10 different dictionaries. <laughs> and most of them old and falling apart. Because people are changing the meaning of words. They do this more so than anything when you're dealing with the Bible. You know, words like religion. Religion is the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man 200 years ago. That's what the definition was. Threskia in the Greek was what you do. Jesus says it's not what you say, it's not what you think, it's what you do. Obviously, what you do will depend upon what you think, but it's what you do. It's the doers of the will of my father is my brother. That's what he's saying. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who are doing the will of the father. Dozens of quotes where he talks about this. But other words like temples. What are temples? They're all government buildings. That's what the temples were. One, Mineta, coin money. That's what it did there, coin money. So wherever you coin your money, whether you print your Federal Reserve notes, that's your temple. Altars are where you gave your sacrifice. And there was a little building next to those temples that had these altars where they distributed what you gave. The free bread, that's where you went. The golden calf. The golden calf was central treasury. It's It's... Fort Knox is where you put your gold. When you have it in that one purse, which the Bible talks about in Proverbs, having that one purse where you have all your gold in that one place. It, it demands your loyalty because you have no wealth in your own pocket. But Moses said, have it in your own pocket. Jesus talked about the same thing. Treasuries, central treasuries where thieves and robbers can break in and steal it. How much gold do you have in Fort Knox? It ain't there no more. It's not yours anyway. You, I mean, but way back in 1930, with HJR 192, they outlawed you owning gold. Now they, people say, well, that's repealed that. Now, yeah, you can have legal title to go, but legal title isn't real title. So all these things are changing the definition of words. And I'm bringing this up because we're going to get into studies farther down the road. Or we're going to look at others, you know, just like we looked at the red heifer. It has nothing to do with a red cow. A young red cow. That's not a red heifer. I mean, a red heifer is a red heifer, but the red heifer in the Bible, 
That has nothing to do with that. We have an article up. You can go find it, look up Red Heifer at Preparing You and and find out what that actually means. Because they've been changing the definition of words for hundreds and hundreds of years. Today, religion means what you think about God. 200 years ago, when America was great, it was a pious performance of a duty to God and your fellow man. 2,000 years ago, pure religion was taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society, unspotted by the world. And the word they used there translated into world, the Greek word used by the inspired author meant, and this is what it says in the concordance, constitutional order and system of government. 90% of all the welfare you take care of in your congregations today comes from men who exercise authority and direct contradiction to what Christ said to do. And so what do you where do you put that? How do you claim to be a Christian when you're doing you're not following the shepherd? You're not doing what he said to do. Now I admit, I accept that you've been lied to about what he said to do. You have been deceived. And you need to admit that you have been deceived and that you have been under a strong delusion. But you cannot afford to reject knowledge anymore. Which is what Hosea is telling you. And so before we finish Hosea, with Hosea 14, and probably we'll go into the last verse of Hosea 13, because I don't think we ever covered that, you need to understand what we've been talking about. These two kingdoms were divided. Just like you have a Republican Party, and the Democratic Party in America. You have the same, you know, you have the same kind of parties over there in England. We talked about the Labour Party, which is equivalent to their Democratic Party. And these two diametrically seemingly opposing forces are both on the opposite side of the street from the Kingdom of God. Because they both call for a chief executive officer who's going to exercise authority. And maybe you'll elect one this month. That's not going to force vaccinations. But what about all those other things that are going on that are wrong? Force education, force contributions. All those things are making the word of God to none effect. But the good news is, right now, in America, and in many other countries, you can start gathering together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and forming the bonds of the kingdom... Not only with one another through love, but with the knowledge of God. If you don't do that, which is why Christ used that word, he commanded that they do that. Sit down on tens, hundreds, and thousands, start learning what it was to share. He commanded that they do that. Because that was the beginning. They weren't ready for Pentecost yet. But when they sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands... And they had a daily ministration where there ended up being enough for everybody, for which was a miracle that they ended up being enough for everybody because there was a shortage at that time. Not only enough for everybody, but enough for the apostles who were the ones who were really out of food. Everybody else wasn't without food. It was just the apostles that were short of food. 
And they were going to go buy food for themselves. They weren't going to go buy food for 20,000 people. <laughs> what were they going to buy it with? They have that kind of bucks on them? <laughs> and then how are they going to get it back? They were going to go buy food for themselves because they were short of food. They were short of food because they were having a feast of tabernacles and the people weren't contributing. But Jesus said, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it the way of God, not the way of the Pharisees. Yeah, we could go buy the food, but we'll, we'll fast. We'll go without. We're going to command the people, though, all you ministers, all these disciples, you go out and make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Tell them they have to do that. Now, of course, they're not going to go around and say, okay, you with you, and you with you, and you with you. You learn to sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands. All you people trying to keep the Sabbath and keep the feast, if you're not doing this, if you're not becoming the social welfare of the righteous, you're not following Christ. You're not following the gospel of Christ. And so, I'll give you another line. <laughs> I said to him, I said it plain, then you must wake them up again. I said it very loud and clear. I went and shouted in his ear. I think that's from Alice in Wonderland. I've, I've remembered that for a long time. <laughs> but that's that's where you're at. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And the way of the Lord is to live by faith, hope, and charity, not force, fear, and fealty. You are now under fealty to men who swear false oaths, who do not love you and do not have eyes to see and ears to hear. They are going to take and take and take and take and when you cry out, God will not hear you. Samuel 8. Unless you begin to repent, think differently, and start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is the way in which you live by faith, hope, and charity. So anyway, we have lots of audios, lots of articles, and all this other stuff. But uh, right now, we're in this state in the world where the shutdown is probably, I I think... uh, Actually, the United Nations came out and said that uh, the shutdown, this worldwide shutdown, because the evidence is popping up everywhere. People are already starving. They've been starving for months. Uh, Malnutrition is on the rise. More people have died of suicide than probably of the coronavirus. But the fact is you're all committing suicide because you're not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the death tolls are mounting and the food shortages are mounting and the businesses are collapsing worldwide. Millions and millions of people are going to die because of the shutdown for a virus that has a 99.4% recovery rate. That's right. All They never ever counted death tolls. Never ever before. Based on the number of severe cases and those that die. That's not how you figure the death rate. It's the number of people who get the virus. Well, we don't even know what that number is. We know at least half of the old people, more than half of the old people on the Princess Diana cruise showed no symptoms. They did a PCR test and when they came down, okay, these people showed some sort of positive in the test. Only a small percentage of them died. 
But the reality is the PCR test can't even determine whether or not you've been exposed. It can't determine whether you're already immune. It's, it isn't that kind of test. never has been. That's what all the literature says. It's not what the news says, but it's what all the literature says. So you've shut down the whole world. You're killing millions of people because you're afraid. This is why Christ said, fear not. But it's also because you lack knowledge, not only of how these things work. I mean, all this information was available. You can go to our preparingyou.com and look up Corona. We Huge page there of information. Now, some of the videos have been blocked if they're, they've been blocked on YouTube because they're still, still trying to filter the information that comes to you. But uh, we've gone to other places and there's usually a link on there that will take you to another one. But I just don't have the time to keep up with it. I've got another page called Shutdown. And I haven't been able to keep up with that. But we have them out there enough so you know that they're misleading you. The world is misleading you. But it didn't just start with COVID. It started way back in 200 A.D. And, and 300 A.D. They started leading you away from the ways of Christ. It really got going around 1066. And then there was kind of a rebellion and a backlash. And you had the Protestant Reformation. But then they started going after them. That's why you have so many. There's no, there's only one denomination in Christianity. And that is the common denominator of Christ. And if you're not doing what he said, then you're not of his denomination. So anyway... Join us on the network. Start sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And we'll share a lot more with you that we don't always share on the radio broadcasts. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.